Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Disney Plus's series, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Who's in the gutter now? Hello, I'm J-Law, but you can call me Justin, and this is our Watch Club for Obi-Wan Kenobi Episode 2, entitled Part 2. If you're joining us for the first time, well, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we'll be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general, so if you haven't watched Episode 2, which is live now on Disney+, Plus, be sure to do so, and then come on right back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we say hello there, let me introduce you to my traveler from the Outer Rim, who is joining me for today. You remember her because she was on Episode 1. She is Megan Clara of Megan Clara Draws. How are you? Hello there. I'm doing well. Hello there. <laughs> We're getting into take two for yeah. episode two uh, because, yes, they released both of these episodes back to back. So we decided yeah. to treat them as separate episodes, just like Disney Plus does. You know, one episode from one, one episode for the other. <laughs> I will say I'm glad that they uh, released them as as like together, though. I'm yeah, glad they absolutely. Both came out at the same time. For sure. And I think that, you know, it's very helpful when there's a two episode release like this because it helps give you a little bit more of a breath as to what to anticipate for the rest of the series. And I think yes. that uh, it has some some issues, but we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, episode two of Obi-Wan starts with Obi-Wan arriving at the busy port of Dayu. As he roams the streets, he tries to get some information about where Leia might be kept. Having no luck, a little boy overhears Obi-Wan and approaches and says, You need help? Well, there's a Jedi that can help you. Intrigued by this, Obi-Wan takes the bait and follows along. Yep. This Jedi goes by Haja Estri, played by Kumal Nanjanani, who works in the shadows, taking credits in exchange to help ferry people out of the city. He certainly drives a hard bargain, and it doesn't take long for Obi-Wan to see through his facade and that he is not a Jedi at all, but just a lover of credits. So let's stop it here. I I'd love to know what your first impression is of Dayu as we see the sort of grittiness of this city. And were you surprised to see Kumal Nanjanani play a very uh, con artist role. Yeah, this this Dayu place is very reminiscent to the like lower levels of Coruscant, the more like sketchy levels. So that's very kind of cool good. to see that. Um, I will say I don't I don't know what it is about choreography and some background stuff, but there's the scene when Obi-Wan is walking through and like seeing Dayu for the first time. And those two guys like push each other. <laughs> just looks a oh, little yeah. bit silly. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know. And actually, I completely forgot to call out a very pivotal moment uh, where we hear a uh, basically a homeless clone <gasps> asking Obi-Wan for credits, who is, you know, down on his luck. And it's played by Tamora Morrison. And he's grisly. He's oh, got long so hair. And while it was great to see Tamora Morrison in this series or making a, a cameo, 
what's really crazy is the expression on Obi-Wan's face. Mm-hmm. You can see the trauma kind of just take oh. effect. And that's the thing is his pain is so evident throughout this show and it will continue through all six episodes, I'm sure. So um, yeah, that, that clone feature was really fun. I, for a very quick second, thought it might be Rex. And then my brain went, now it can't be. So <laughs> we'll move yeah, past I, that. Yeah, I guess I guess that was my first thought as well. Um, doesn't yeah. Rex have a big beard? He does, right? He Rex does eventually. Beard, right? In Rebels, he has like a big white beard. In Rebels. I, maybe it could be him. It's, it's really hard <laughs> to not think of Rex when you see that beard, right? So, but getting back to Haja Estri yeah. and, and his introduction, I thought it was really interesting to bring him in as this this light comedic relief uh, that that ends up actually being very useful because as as he was there to obtain information, Hodge decides to help Obi-Wan and, and gives him a possible location of where Leia might be. And I think this place can only be described as, as a drug den or yeah. some sort of a blow up. <laughs> uh, and after creating a diversion, Obi-Wan slips into the back where he is then confronted by Leia's kidnappers in a hand-to-hand altercation leading to the reveal that this was all a trap to flush out Obi-Wan. Again, using his wit because he's so broken he can't do anything else. (laughs) uh, He he uses a canister of drugs which was given to him when he was walking the streets of Dayu to create a diversion. And as he slips away, he does find the right cell holding Leia, which in my opinion is hella... Hella convenient. Uh, and and Riva is inbound, so Obi-Wan and Leia have to make a quick escape while the two try to find new outfits to disguise themselves in the streets of Dayu. The Grand Inquisitor arrives and confronts Riva for her treachery, and he reminds her that she came from the gutters and is the least of them all. He then orders her to stand down and that he will take Kenobi in. Riva, of course, ignores this and sends out a warning to all bounty hunters on the planet, informing them that Kenobi is out there. And, of course, Haja Estri and his little ragtag kiddo end up deciding to join in the hunt for Obi-Wan. So we'll stop here for a second. And there was a lot that happened, I guess. But the the sort of easiness of, you know, Obi-Wan getting this information, finding himself uh, in the place where the, the captors are holding him. I get that this was part of a big plan to kind of flush him out, but you know, even the way he was able to slip away and, you know, get Leia and then escape, like it just it all felt very convenient and easy. There just yeah. there really wasn't any threat. Right. Yeah. Like and I think that that's that's one of the things that kind of bothered me about this episode is that things just happened a little too easy. But that being said, when when Leia and and Obi Wan are together, it's pure delight. Even just the way Absolutely. Leia is just like <laughs> You're a Jedi? You're looking a little <laughs> old and, and beaten up to be yeah. a Jedi. Yeah, this uh, is our story. Think? I'm your father yeah. and you're going to be my daughter. More like granddaughter. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And like, what's so funny is I, I laughed out loud at that that moment because I could see Leia, uh, like as Carrie Fisher, yeah. saying that. Do you know what I mean? Like, Oh, oh absolutely. Uh, yeah, right? So... It's funny because obviously, as we were saying in the last episode, she's she's a little younger than 10, in my opinion. Like she just seems a little younger than 10. But she mm-hmm. is definitely more mature in terms of like the way she's delivering her lines. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. She's more hyper aware of, you know, things that are going on. But she does seem a little bit young 
here. I love mm-hmm. when they're going shopping for little costume outfits. Like, yeah. to, you know, she got to get her something. Gets her the green jacket, just like <laughs> she looked in um in in Return of the Jedi. I thought that was so cute. Like she was like a, she looks like a little like Princess Leia. Like I, I just oh, thought I it was, didn't get that reference. Yeah, That's she has the awesome. braids in her hair and stuff yeah. like that. You know. So thanks for the internet for that little Easter egg. But I, so I thought it was cute. a pure delight moment to see. Uh, that you know that was a bit of an Easter egg, and again she reads into him so well. Like there's that moment when they're walking through the streets, and she says, "You think if you're saying less, that's helping you, but it's actually doing the worst." I'm sure that's not the exact. <laughs> thing, basically, she's calling him out. Yeah, and I think that that again is just this instance of her showing her ability to kind of use the force in mm-hmm. her own way yeah. to read people and to understand the situation, rather than you know as she would say, make me float, right? You're a Jedi, make me float. I thought that was so funny. Like, it's, it's just so like, good. I'm not, a, I'm not a clown. I'm not a magician. I'm not going to do a party trick if I'm a Jedi. Yeah. So I thought that was that was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, but with, with Reva, again, she is overstepping like crazy. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know what it is. Okay, well, the thing that stood out to me about what she said was that she went to the archives and found a connection between Bail Organa and Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting because she's obviously doing some sort of research. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really seem like someone who would be of the Sith or of any sort of dark force would actually have that uh, due diligence. Yeah. So it does feel like it does come from a pre-existing idea. We know the Jedis did a lot of that. They would always go to the archives. They would always reference and research before. So... I think this is a, another little sign that she could be one of those kids that we saw escape Order 66 and this insult or dig to her that she's just she's from the gutter and that she's, you know, she's the least of them. Yeah. You know, that I, I think in, in many ways, whatever happened with, you know, the events that happened with Order 66 and where she's come, this is fueling her her dark side of the of the force. Yeah. So she's amped and she just wants to achieve her goal. And she's 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 willing to sacrifice anything to kind of get there. Yeah, I don't know. I think I just I need more. So with what we've been given and with um, her performance and the desperate need to only find Obi-Wan and only for her own gain, it's not actually like, well, we all need to find Obi-Wan. It's like, no, I'm going to be the one to do it. It's not going to be you. There's something that should be very passionate. And yeah, I just personally don't feel that coming from her yet. So I'm I'm intrigued to see where she goes as a character. Now, to go back to like all of the fight sequences and um, the whole escape route with Obi-Wan and Leia and stuff, I found the fight sequences to be incredibly clunky. However, I loved them that way because it okay. makes sense for him. He is, yeah. like we were saying, he's detached himself from the Force. It's been 10 years yeah. since he's been the Obi-Wan that we all know and love. So for him to like not be able to bounce back that quickly and not have the reflexes he did makes a lot of sense. Um, sure, yeah. Obviously, he's there are of- some bits and pieces that are like just choreographed incorrectly because... He's obviously not going to actually get hit with something by a 10-year-old girl. But the way he right. just goes, oh, and like reverbs off of that hit is a little 
iffy to me. Yeah. Um, though, but that main fight sequence, I I actually was okay with it being clunky because it makes sense for his character. Yeah. Yeah. It shows. It shows the lack of experience that he has. It's been yeah. ten years, like you said. You know, it shows in his fighting. It shows in his reflexes that yeah, he's not the same Obi Wan Kenobi, and 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 that's that's apparent. So yeah, I appreciated that the fight sequence of that. I just I don't know if I appreciate if I really enjoyed this sort of like there was just no again as we get further into this it just you'll see like it, it just doesn't feel like there's much to this episode that's meaningful yeah there's no than, stakes exactly other than the what we get at the end and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there uh mm-hmm. let's let's keep going here so just like in the first episode leia ends up running off <laughs> this time forcing obi-wan to try and chase her through the market and unfortunately this draws the attention of 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 numerous bounty hunters and things get escalated this leads to Obi-Wan chasing Leia across rooftops as 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 Reva parkours herself across the rooftops to to catch up with the action that she can see unfolding. Meanwhile, Obi-Wan is is pinned down by two bounty hunters and Leia contemplates leaping a large gap to escape both Obi-Wan and the bounty hunters. Now, after Obi-Wan kills one of those bounty hunters, the other seemingly disappears, uh, which again, too little too late, Leia has made the commitment to jump and she jumps and of course with her small legs she didn't make the gap and she <laughs> falls and hanging by a cable begging for ben to help she then slips and falls to the ground and this of course forces obi-wan to dig deep and use the force to save leia before she hits the ground so he inevitably made her float which i thought was really really great um <laughs> I appreciate in this moment that, you know, Leia, again, is showing how adult she is in this situation by reading the situation and understanding, really, she was kidnapped and plucked because of Obi-Wan's connection to her father and that they were really after Obi-Wan and that she was just bait. And I think that that's, again, I don't know if she used the force to really kind of unravel that, but again, it just shows how adult Leia is in this whole situation. But that being said, it all led to another chase scene. I was with some friends when we watched this and they said, oh, it's a little bit more believable. It's a market. You know, she has a little bit more. But I'm just like, I don't know. I wouldn't have done two (laughs) chase scenes back to back in episodes. Like, I just don't think that that's that's right. And and again, it felt very clunky and it it didn't seem real. Like there's a point where where Obi-Wan is fighting off someone and he turns, he says, Leia, Leia. And based on the cut, it looks like he almost grabs her. But then they cut the scene and they've put more space between them so that she could get away. So just Mm -hmm. it didn't like it was a very clunky editing style that just it didn't really correlate or or really match up. And suddenly they're on rooftops, just (laughs) on rooftops, running across rooftops. And and like her little legs, like she's just running. And like, you know, again, she she doesn't run like a 10 year old. She looks so much younger. She looks like she's eight. Right. So and and, you know, again, she contemplated trying to make that that massive leap. (laughs) That wasn't going to happen. No, what did God. you think, though, when, when when you saw that moment where he Obi-Wan was just staring down and just trying to find the ability to use the Force? I loved that. Again, it's his disconnection to the Force, and he brings it out because he knows he has to, because it's his responsibility. And he, at this point, still thinks that Anakin is gone. So his only connection to Anakin are these two kids. So... He has to do everything in his absolute power to save her. He does. And it's like a really beautiful moment 
to know that he's able to use that again, even though it's exhausting. Um, also, to shout out Riva in this moment, everybody loves an unnecessary gainer. <laughs> I I don't I don't get it. <laughs> Just because you oh. got the force, why? <laughs> yeah, and like, and um, the other thing too is like, I I don't think it was as flawless. No, the way it looked like especially there was one instance where she's running. She jumps and she like almost bounces off of a wall and the camera does some work. It didn't look clean. It looked a little, mm-hmm. uh, as you said, it clunky. It just didn't seem to really have that wow factor that we would kind of get from Star Wars. Yeah, um, it kind of it, it felt very TV in all honesty. I, I'll just I'll just say it. I know that that might yeah. be a faux pas word right now, but <laughs> it, it just didn't seem to have that sort of elevated choreography that i think we've we've gotten from from even shows like book of boba fett absolutely i'd even refer to like um season seven of the clone wars the fight between ahsoka and um darth maul in on the planet of mandalore because it's all mocap so that is two people doing that fight yes you're absolutely right and even that is so much more seamless than what we saw here. <laughs> I, I think the whole fight sequence and the, t- the two bounty hunters was a little confusing. Yeah. You know, that robot one just stopped shooting conveniently after <laughs> he, he tagged one. And like, I just thought that was a really, really, really strange. But it really does come down to, as you were saying, with the moment with, with Obi-Wan and he's he's seeing that Leia is just hanging on and he has to dig deep. And the way the camera gets really in his face to show the tension, oh, yeah. like the idea that he has to embrace the force once again. Because mm-hmm. I think as you've been mentioning in, in the previous episode and here, he has cut himself off, which I think is just almost like a validation as to why Luke was in The Last Jedi, how he was very cut off from the Force. I'm starting to see some parallels here about where Obi-Wan is with the emotional trauma that has mm-hmm. caused them to distance himself from the Force. And, and in all honesty, to even just trust it if they yeah. believe in it anymore. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Because of the because of what has happened, ultimately, maybe they are the bad guys. Just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, That's a great point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but moving on, the the, the next scene, uh, Obi Wan makes it down to to the alleyway after Leia has, has landed safely, where where she now believes that he is a Jedi because well he he made, he made her, her float. float. <laughs> um, they run into Haja Estri again, who actually saves them. Uh, and shoots the other bounty hunter in the back, the one that mysteriously disappeared uh, <laughs> from the rooftop. Um, Hajad deems himself a friend and gives Obi-Wan a key to a new ship and coordinates to another location to get them to safety, promising him to buy them some time. That turns out not to be very much time at <laughs> all, as he is then confronted by Riva, and Riva uh, basically probes his mind. She uses that that jedi mind trick that we've seen from kylo ren and and probes probes his mind so my thing is is this and and maybe we don't necessarily have a full answer to this but why didn't she do that with owen because it seemed like she knew that he was hiding something if she had this capability why didn't she go into his mind and reveal that because that seems like a missed opportunity if (laughs) if anything because that would have given her two jedis um, sure that, that she didn't know but it was interesting that we saw that power kind of manifest itself here full-fledged like she she just probed his mind no problem i wonder if it's maybe because there was nobody watching so maybe she has these powers that are 
unbeknownst to the rest of the Inquisitors. And when she was in front of Owen, the fifth brother was there. So maybe there's something that she's like not trying or trying not to let them know how powerful she how actually powerful is. She is. That could answer Sold. that. Sold. <laughs> Sold. Sold. I believe it. Uh, um, as as this is going on, obviously Obi-Wan and Leia, they escape and arrive at this this cargo hold. Uh, and, and Leia and, and Obi-Wan have a lovely little exchange that leaves Obi-Wan feeling reminiscent of his time with Padme. And I think his time with Anakin as he sees so much of them in her. And I mm-hmm. I thought like, again, uh, with all the action and all these little like hiccupy moments, these moments really do stand out. Oh, like, totally. This moment really stood out to me as like, damn, like this is so cool to see. Like this is so cool to see Obi-Wan being able to interact with Leia and see this side of her that you know, reminds him of the good days, right? Oh, it was so lovely. It's like you said, it's him being reminded of those people that he cared so deeply about through these kids. So um, even back when he was looking at Luke through the little binoculars and watching him like pretend to fly a plane, it's like, oh, or fly a jet or whatever. Um, He's just like Anakin because Anakin had this whole dream of being the best pilot ever. And now he's, you know, conversing with Leia and she sounds exactly like her birth mother because she was a strong-willed, passionate, independent woman who was a leader and also stubborn. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I'm not stubborn. I'm not. Like, it's just like, (laughs) of course you're stubborn. Like, we we know who you're going to be. And I, again, I think that's such a great thing for the audience because we know who Leia is going to become. So being able to spend at least these, these, this, this time with her, uh, it it is interesting, albeit very bizarre, uh, given what's happened in the canon. But again, I'm wondering how they're going to play it out because he hasn't told her yet that his name is Obi-Wan Kenobi. No, and that's true. He, he said that you're Ben. My name's Ben. And when we do get the first instance of a message in A New Hope, she does reference him as Obi-Wan Kenobi, which means that she might not know that Obi-Wan and Ben are the same person. She might ah. just know that a, a person named Ben saved her a long time ago and Obi-Wan is a friend of her, her father's he can only trust, you know, years later. So I I think there's justification here that this could fit in there. All right, well, we're getting towards the end of the episode here. So after this lovely heartfelt moment between Obi-Wan and Leia, Reva shows up. And while Leia runs off to ready the ship, Obi-Wan hides. He holds his saber ready to ignite it, yet never confronts Reva. Being strong with the Force, she can sense that he is there, and she begins to taunt him egging him to reveal himself and she goes so far as to drop the bombshell that Anakin is still alive leaving Obi-Wan shocked as Reva gets closer to Obi-Wan the Grand Inquisitor interrupts and demands Reva to stand down and that he will show her how it's done after his hurtful words from earlier Reva decides to kill him right on the spot and says who's in the gutter now This allows Obi-Wan enough time to flee and jump on the ship. As it takes off, Reva vows to find him. On the ship, a shocked and traumatized Obi-Wan is trying to comprehend the fact that his apprentice and brother is still alive. And just as he utters his name, Anakin, we cut to Darth Vader in 
what I'll call a back to bath, (laughs) eyes open, staring directly into the camera as as if to insinuate that Obi-Wan kind of awoken the monster. In my opinion, I kind of feel like. Yeah. And all we hear is this haunting Darth Vader breath as it takes us into darkness and the episode ends. But what did you think as we got towards the end here? Um, I know that a lot of people don't necessarily know the ins and outs of who knows Anakin is Darth Vader and who doesn't. Um, this is my so, huge question. Okay, so if I if I can, I'll, I'll I'll do my best to try to answer based on what I know. And yeah. for Star Wars fans, don't come at me if I'm wrong. Educate me. Let me know. But as far as I know, the only people at this point would know that would know are the Emperor. If Thrawn is actually around, he probably knows, and I uh, Obi Wan obviously knows. Obi Wan was under the impression that he died on Mustafar. He didn't know that the Emperor was able to get there in time and save him. The question is: Is how does Reva know? That's my thing. But it connects back to what I said to you before, where she said that she found a connection between Obi Wan and Bail Organa through the archives. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that she found who Darth Vader actually is through those same archives, through research. And that is why she is trying to bring Obi-Wan in. And I think that, again, access to those archives, whoever it might be, is it speaks to the fact that she's actually a Jedi. I honestly think that she's she's done her homework. She's done her research. There's a bigger game afoot here that is involving her. That's the game she's playing. We, we don't know the full ins and outs of it, but there is a reason. Because she, she has, like gone above and beyond and she just killed the grand inquisitor right so there's going to be repercussions here so <laughs> I I, I'm, I'm i'm intrigued but she's obviously really slow there doesn't seem to be any sort of real strength to these inquisitors yeah i think that's what's frustrating me so much about her character is that there must be something deep down that is making her so vengeful towards obi-wan but it's not coming across that way at all and all of her like reactions and her instincts don't feel like how you would think someone would feel if they were going to the ends of the earth to find someone. Like, I feel like there'd be so much more anger behind her and like viciousness. And even back in episode one, when she's holding her lightsaber up to um, Owen, and she like screams at everybody that she's going to kill him and his family. Even that didn't hold that much weight to me. So it's mm. confusing this portrayal of Inquisitors when you'd think right. she'd be so much more mad. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I feel like she's more mad than than, than anyone else, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. She's definitely more mad, but she know she has access to information. She knows more than I think she's meant to know. Yeah. And to your point of what you said earlier about her strength and her power and how she might be holding that back in front of the other inquisitors. I think that's the same thing here. She has more information. She has more skin in the game, if you will, of mm-hmm. who these people are. Hopefully episode three will enlighten us a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Or a little bit more. And I really want to like her. I really want to like this character and I really want to be excited about where she's going. I'm just not yet. And also, the Grand Inquisitor stopped her lightsaber from, like, cutting that Jedi's head off, yet he can't sense that she's about to stab him in the stomach. <laughs> well, that's that's my thing. I don't... I, and a lot of people are like, oh, he's not dead. I'm like, I don't know. Like, well, personally, 
Uh, well, see, but personally, like that's that's a that's a lightsaber to the stomach. This looked pretty cut and dry. It looked like a saber <laughs> to the tummy. He's done. And um, I, I, honestly, I was I was expecting this. I was oh, already yeah? under the impression. I not in this episode though. Let me let me make okay. that entirely clear. <laughs> I think after the first episode, it was clear that there was going to be a tension between Riva and the Grand Inquisitor, and that it would mm-hmm. inevitably lead to this outcome where she would she would kill him. Yeah. The fact that it's happening two fast. episodes in, that's fast. Yeah. Like we're, I get it. Like we're a six episode series, which means the next episode, which comes out uh, this coming week is going to be the third, which is the halfway mark of this, of the series. So things got to get moving a little bit yeah. for us to start to kind of understand. But that being said, I think that, that the, the sort of pacing and where they're placing maybe key narrative elements I would have liked to have seen that happen maybe in episode three or four, right? Yeah. Like, give me a little bit more of this justification of who she is. Maybe he starts to find out more about who Riva really is and what her real intentions are, which then forces the confrontation. Like, I don't know. You just had this this great, great uh, character come over from the animated series, and he doesn't even get that much of an opportunity to prove how great he is in live action. Yeah. And he's killed. It just shows that he was really just a thread. Yeah, like a vehicle. Animated. Exactly. A vehicle to connect. And it's just unfortunate. So I would have yeah. liked to have seen more, more from him. But you know what? We'll see more of this series when the next episode comes out. But for now, let's wrap this sucker up with our overall impressions and our rating on a scale of one to five green capes. Because she Ooh. just looks so damn cute in that <laughs> little green cape. Uh, Meg, what are your overall thoughts and score? Starting off with a really cool clone feature having Tamura Morrison in the episode. Mm. Loved that. Loved the moments between Obi-Wan and Leia. Um, His show of pain and connection to Anakin and Padme through this episode was really amazing. However, I think a lot of the action sequences, the chase sequences... Um, the parkour, if you want to call it that, sequences just were really <laughs> lackluster for me. Um, and unfortunately, didn't totally the the good stuff didn't always outweigh the bad stuff in this episode. So sure. I'm going to give this one a three out of five green capes to hope that the next four episodes really climb and skyrocket this story. <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I it's it's you were on the same page yet again for this episode. I was not a fan of this episode overall. There are some great standout moments that happen throughout this episode, um, but again, I just think that this was a little bit lesser on the tier from episode one. I think episode one did a really great job of establishing. Um, what the series is about. I feel like episode two kind of loses a little bit of that. It's almost like a side mm-hmm. side mission. Um, yeah. I understand the point, and and it's very clear that. That, that that Leia is being leveraged here as a, a mechanism or a trap to get Obi-Wan out of hiding. But that being said, this was a very lackluster episode. Uh, it didn't didn't really do much for me. Clunky action and clunky uh, performances from from some 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 characters as well, uh, like Flea. I, I'm just I'm not I'm glad that he's no longer going to be a thing. The fact that they off the the Grand Inquisitor just kind of really rubs me the wrong way. I just 
again, I, I would have liked to have seen that play out more. That being said, there are still four more episodes and, and a villain on the horizon that is far more interesting than the Grand Inquisitor and, and quite frankly, than, than Riva. I do think that we need to explore more of her history, like you were saying and pointing out. Uh, we need to know more about what is driving her intentions and how she just knows so much. Ewan McGregor killed it. Both in this episode, like this episode, he he really does show his emotional range. You you called it out that sort of sarcastic nature that he has that that we would have that's familiar to the animated series. He's he's bringing that in. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna give this episode the same score though, three out of five. Mm. Green yep. capes. Awesome. Well, that's it for our episode two watch club for Obi Wan kenobi uh but before we close things out meg uh, i'd love for you to share with our listeners where they can uh see more of you and and the artwork that you're doing uh so where can they find you absolutely um you can find me on instagram at megan clara draws you can find me on twitter at megan clara draws and now you can also find me streaming on twitch at twitch.tv slash draws, where I also draw live so you get to see my process. You can see how I create characters and um, do different crafts. You can also watch me learn. I'm currently learning how to do background art. So um, yeah, you can come and hang out with me and chat and say you found me through the Geek Centric Podcast. <laughs> And of course, we'll have all the links to your accounts in the show notes below. So definitely go over to Megan Claire's channels. Show her some love. But that is it for this episode of Watch Club for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts and or, or your own predictions on, on the shows that we cover in Watch Club, well, you can reach out to us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we also have a a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for The Bob's Burger Movie and Stranger Things 4. Also, I'm stoked to say that we have our spoiler-free and spoiler-filled reviews for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, as well as our very special interview with director Sam Raimi and writer Mr. Michael Waldron, who joined us on the podcast for an interview with myself and Kevin. Plus, we have our weekly this Week in Geek episodes where we break down the latest trailers and news every single Wednesday. Our next episode of This Week in Geek will be all Star Wars. Uh, we are going to be catching up with Nate and Darcy for all things Star Wars celebration, so you won't want to miss that. So be sure to subscribe and, hey, maybe leave us a five-star review if you don't mind. We always appreciate the love. Meg, thank you for joining me. And as we say, may the Force be with you. Always. Always.